We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. So first three chapters covered this like really, really tough conversation between God who has rescued his people, who has cared for his people, who has provided for his people, who has loved his people, and his people who seem to keep forgetting over and over again how good he's been. And finally, we get to chapter four, and it's this climactic conclusion. And I want to say there's going to be some more hard stuff, but there's some really, really good stuff too. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to watch a short little video that kind of helps set that up about how you have this tension of things that are difficult and yet also really good with the holiness of God. And then we'll jump into Malachi 4. Father, we ask that as we read your word this morning, God, that you would speak to us, that we would hear from you. God, that we would not be distracted by cares of our world, by things of our culture. God, that your people here this morning would not be distracted by Uh, words that come out of my mouth that are not from you. Lord, protect and guard my mouth and protect and guard all of our hearts that we would truly and clearly see you more and more today because of your word to us in Malachi 4. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we've got a little video here from the Bible Project. I'm just gonna keep showing their videos and then I only have to preach for like five minutes, so... That's basically a really good summary of all of the Old Testament and the problem between God and his people, that God is holy and perfect, and his holiness is dangerous to us because we are impure. Because of our impurity, when we get too close, that that moment when Moses was on the mountain, he's like, God, let me just see your face. And he's like, you don't know what you're asking. That's dangerous, son. If I show you my face, like it'll kill you, right? Because our impurity, getting too close to that, just like Malachi pointed out in earlier weeks, that the refiner's fire comes and it burns off all the impurities. It burns that away, leaving nothing but the pure gold left. So the same thing, when we come with our impurity before God's holiness, it's dangerous. So that's a problem, right? And all of the Old Testament is pointing to God patiently working a solution to that problem. And so join me in Malachi chapter four. We'll read our six verses here. And in verse one, it says this. For look, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. The coming day will consume them, says the Lord of armies, not leaving them root or branches. But for you who fear my name, The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and playfully jump like calves from the stall. You will trample the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day I am preparing, says the Lord of armies. Remember the instruction of Moses, my servant, the statutes and ordinances I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Look, I am going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. This is God's word. Father, once again, help us to hear and understand your word so that we can know you better. In 
Jesus' name, amen. So we have some intense things going on in these six little verses, right? I mean, it starts off with, the day is coming burning like a furnace when the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. The picture of that is if you were to set like a field on fire, if you were to set a field of wheat, let's say, on fire, and it burns everything up, and then what's left is just these ti- this tiny little stubble of what used to be there, but it's burnt to a crisp. When I roast coffee, sometimes I get my hand a little close to the fire, and I am a very hairy person, if you've ever seen me up close, and I, there's been times where I come away from that, and this hand, there's just like little tiny ember-colored stubble left on my hand. That's all that's left of all my hair, and it's dead, and it, it's... I mean, I would say my hair and my arm is useless anyway, but it's useless, right? So with this wheat getting burned up into stubble, it's useless. You, you can't do anything with it. So it's leaving nothing left. And then what happens is it could just get blown away like chaff in the wind. So there's already a hard thing we're starting off with, that the coming of the Lord, we're saying we're entering Advent, we're waiting for the coming of the Lord. We want him to come. But do we recognize what we're asking for? that the coming of the Lord will burn the wicked to stubble. And some of you are like, oh, cool. Yeah, like get those wicked people, right? And then if we're really honest with ourselves, we recognize we are those people. As Malachi pointed out before, has, has anyone, let's just go with the simplest of all so I can have a shortcut and not go through the whole list. Has anyone ever lied? You're gonna burn like stubble. Yeah. Kids, that's going to be the one thing you remember from this. You're going to tell me that you learned today. <laughs> Don't worry. There's good news coming. Because then it goes on and it starts to say this in verse two. But for you who fear my name. We talked about this before that this is not a fear like being scared of the boogeyman kind of fear. This is not a fear like, oh, no, I'm trembling kind of fear. This is an awe a reverence. When you're standing looking over the Grand Canyon, you go, that's incredible. Don't get too close. You'll fall in. It's dangerous, right? It's the sun. Like if in that video talked about, if sun tours were real and you're getting close, you'd be like, oh, wow, that's incredible. But don't get too close. It'll burn you up. This is the kind of fear God's calling for. Recognize that he is holy, that he is perfect, And because of our imperfections, because of our impurity, because of our selfishness, because of our wickedness, because of our rebellion, because of every time that we've taken advantage of another human being, because of every time that we've lied, we are not perfect. We are not holy the way he is. And we can't get too close. So God says, for those who fear my name like that, in verse two, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. You will go out and playfully jump like calves, from the stall. Does anyone ever do like 4-H or anything like that when they were growing up in here? Anyone grow up on a ranch, on a farm? Aaron, have you seen calves leaping around before? Yeah? I've never seen it. I've never been on a farm, but I do have an iPad. And so I found a video of it, right? It's because you don't really need to go out in the real world when you can see it all on this screen, right? So I found a video of it, and I was like, what is, what is this talking about here? That's a really strange thing. First of all, the son of righteousness, and I don't know if you caught that, but it's S-U-N, not S-O-N. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And I was like, what does that mean? And then you will go out like calves leaping from the stalls. 
Another uh, translation for this is actually, you will go out leaping playfully like stall-fed calves. What that means is, by the way, when I searched like leaping calves on YouTube also, I saw like this dude with really ripped calves, like jumping really high. And I was like, I don't think that's what it's talking about. Stall-fed calves, baby cows that have grown up in the stall and they have not, while they're being weaned, they have not gone out into the field yet. And for the first time that they get to go out into the field, it's incredible. It's a really cool view. I saw some cool videos. I, I chose one that I want us to see right now, mostly just because it was like the least obnoxious audio in the video and like the most clear picture. But these are actually grown cows and they came leaping out of the stall just from being shut in for the winter. So they've been out there before. It's only been a few months for them and they've seen it before and they're still like, it's pretty awesome to see. Check this out. I told you, I'm just going to play videos all morning, you guys. Um, I, I like that one. It's a well-done video because it almost even made cows look cute, right? But you see these grown cows, and they've, they've been there before, right? And they still are super excited about it. And so if you were to search up some YouTube videos on that and find young calves for their first time, first, there's like this little bit of timidity to leave. Like, is it safe to come out, right? And then once they do, they just go crazy, some of those older cows were jumping around and leaping like that, but like you see these young things just like going nuts, right? And they're having a great time. Why? Because of freedom. Because they're free. They were locked in captivity their whole lives. They've never experienced what it was like to just run free on an open field. And suddenly now they have this joy of freedom. And this is what we're promised. This is the good news that's hidden in the burning of the stubble in Malachi 4. For those who trust in the Lord, there is such joy and freedom that is awaiting you. That you've been in captivity in this broken mess of a world your whole life. You've been in captivity in your own sin. Because you yourself have sinned and fallen short of the perfect holiness of God. And sometimes you're like, why can't I get it together? Why do I keep doing the things I know I shouldn't do? How come I can't ever do the things I know I should do? That was Paul. And that's me every day. Why am I in captivity to my own selfish ways? And yet, yet there's this promise here. But if you fear the Lord, if you trust in him, that he is the only one who is perfect and holy, if you fix your eyes on that, then when he comes, instead of being burnt like stubble, you will be set free from your captivity. That's good news, you guys. If that doesn't start like overwhelming your heart, man, I am praying that all the distractions and all the junk and all the impurities of this world that are distracting you from hearing that and rejoicing would be burned away like stubble. Because that's such good news. The joy of freedom is coming, that we will actually not be burned up if we're in Jesus. We've talked about this a lot, but God's coming is always a two-sided coin of both destruction for what's wicked and salvation for what's righteous. And you gotta ask the question then, then how do I get into that camp? How do I become righteous? 
because I'm in this captivity. I can't seem to break these chains. I can't seem to do the right things. And even when I do the right things, sometimes it's out of selfish motivation. Oh, wicked sinner that I am, woe is me. That's Isaiah's words that we saw in the video before God, right? Woe is me, a man of unclean lips. And then God goes, let me bring my purity to you. Why? Because God is good, because he's gracious, because he chose to set his heart and his love on this people called Israel. Because he chose to, out of this people Israel, who kept messing up over and over again, to one day, one day, bring his own son through this lineage. That one day Jesus would come and he would become the perfect son of righteousness for us. I I feel like there's like this beautiful play on words happening here because in chapter three, we had just read about how God was desiring for these families to be whole. And then you get to the end of chapter four here and it's saying, look, there's gonna be a messenger coming and he's gonna turn the hearts of the fathers toward the children and the hearts of the children toward the fathers. And it feels like, okay, you're getting to the end of the Old Testament, the end of Malachi's word. Like there's gonna be 400 years of waiting and hoping and longing. Why in the world would you leave off with this really weird thing of like, hey, you're gonna make fathers turn their hearts toward their children and children turn their hearts toward their fathers. So last week in chapter three, we read Malachi saying that God was saying that I will love you like a son who served his father. I feel like there's, there's many layers of this, what's happening here. I think there's a reality that God desperately wants his people to be united together. He desperately wants them to live in the right ways that are healthy. He sees that these families are being broken apart by their sin and their selfishness. And he's saying, that's not right. And he wants to restore that. That's on one level. And on a greater level, he's saying, the perfect son who served me, who I love, that's how I will love you. Like the perfect son who served the father right? It's on a much greater level than that. He's saying, I will turn the hearts of you wicked children, Israel, who have disobeyed me as your father, I will turn your hearts toward me. And when my perfect son comes in his righteousness, he will also, because he's perfect and holy, he will turn my heart toward you. Because Jesus came and entered into the imperfect and the unholy, you and I, our lives, And his holiness is transforming us and making us clean so that God's heart as a father is turned toward us and he sees the perfect, holy righteousness of Jesus. So now we're not destroyed when we enter into his holy presence, but we are welcomed in. And it's like beautiful rays of sunlight, the wings of healing from the son of righteousness. We get to run out in a field and have freedom and joy. And I I can see that this is pointing us clearly to Jesus as it's leading us into this advent and waiting, that Jesus becomes this son of righteousness. It's not weird, just poetry that's used for the first time here in Malachi. In I think it's Psalm 84, we have up on the screen, verse 11, God is referred to as the son himself. For the Lord God is a son and shield. He's our light. The Lord grants favor and honor. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. 
At the end of Malachi here, it's pointing us to there's going to be someone who comes like Elijah, the prophet, who's going to prepare your hearts for this coming son of righteousness. And when 400 years later, Zechariah, the father of John, the Baptist, finds out he's having a kid, he starts singing. He breaks out in poetry when he's finally able to speak. And we find this in Luke chapter one, toward the end there, verses 78 and 79. And this is what Zechariah, the father of John, who would be this messenger to point the way to Jesus. This is what he said. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Do you hear that right there? The echoes of Malachi 4, the son of righteousness coming and that we will leap like calves released onto the field to guide our feet into this way of peace. And then Jesus tells us himself, the very end of the story. So we just read the end of Old Testament, Malachi 4. Let's go to the end of the New Testament, Revelation 22. And this is what Jesus himself says in verse 16 of himself. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Catch that. When Malachi says that for the wicked, it will get burnt to stubble, I looked up that word in the old Hebrew and it's saying there is no root or branch left. What did God do? He preserved a root of his people, a descendant of his people. He didn't burn them to stubble. He didn't wipe them out, even though they time and time again turned away from him. He preserved this lineage so that his perfect son, Jesus, would come, who would then be the bright morning star, the bright sun of righteousness, whose light and healing would shine for the whole world. And that is what we are in Advent for. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're longing for. And listen, good news, you guys. We have seen that he has come already into this world. If you are in Christ, you know that. You've been in communion with him and you know he's come into this world already and his spirit dwells here within the church. But there's another day coming when he returns again, finally, fully in physical form, dwelling with us eternally and he will not leave. And we will live with God in his righteousness in perfect joy and freedom if and only if we have feared his name, we have trusted in his perfect son, Jesus. So I want to encourage everyone here, if you're placing your trust in anything else right now, if, if you have fear over anything else these days, if you're apathetic to anything that we've heard right now, I am praying and I'm encouraging you to take some time just to sit silently before the Lord. Say, God, if, if this is real, would you show yourself to me? God, I recognize that I have been wicked. I have been selfish and I have rebelled against what I know is right and I can't seem to stop. Would you release me from my captivity? Let your healing wings of righteousness shine on me. Father, would you do that for each and every person in this room today? For each and every person joining us online today. God, we are people in need because we are imperfect. 
because we are impure. But you, God, have preserved your love for your people. You have sent your perfect son to bring righteousness to us, to transform us into your ways, that we may stand in your presence on that day. God, we ask that you would do that for each of us, that you would transform us into your holy people who then would be rays of light to the world around us. God, that we in your power would go out bringing rays of healing light as we shine forth the image of God, as we show the world what Jesus is like, your perfect son, that others may know you as well. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.